0: that's the beautiful thing about open source is everyone gets to scratch their own itch to build the thing that is important to them and whether you have two hours every second night to work on it or three people's worth of full-time effort like it's still the same thing
1: this is contributor a podcast telling the stories behind the best open source projects and the communities that make them i'm eric anderson We're excited to have Zoltan Ola join the show today. He is one of the creators of Storybook or Storybook.js. Zoltan, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: And just to correct you a little bit, I'm not one of the creators, but uh, I'm deeply involved in the project these days, and I'm sure we'll get into
1: that uh, in the podcast. Perfect. To level set with the group here, what is Storybook? We'll start there, and, and then we'll get into more detail on how, how it came to be. Yeah, so Storybook
0: is um, sort of the world's most popular isolated component development environment. And what that means, it's a it's a class of software that uh, is able to reach into the components in your code base. And it gives you an environment where you can develop those components independent of the application or the design system that they're built for. And that primarily means recording the the states that those components can be in, in terms of their inputs, which is usually sort of plain old JavaScript. And then uh, that gives you essentially a catalog or documentation that helps you develop components. It helps your team develop components in the future. And then it also leads into other additional kind of bits of functionality on top, such as testing, um, such as review, uh, integration with design tools, uh, and anything basically that helps developers in the component driven kind of development
1: methodology got it and, and maybe as points of clarification so it, it's not a design tool like i think of figma or other things but a compliment it's a compliment
0: yeah it's a tool that front-end developers use and it sits side by side with their editor and storybook is is hot module road loading it's refreshing mm-hmm. um, components sort of next to their editor and that's a better development workflow than sort of trying to do that inside uh, an application itself where you may not have the data accessible that your component needs for whatever you're building. You might not be able to easily get to that state that you're working on inside your application. And then thirdly, you might have a hard time actually starting the application. If you're a front-end engineer, you know it might require all sorts of bits of the stack and databases and dependencies. And we've all seen that. You,
1: you yeah,
0: yeah whatever, NPM start and you just get, you know, a screen full of errors uh, and you have to right. ask a, an
1: engineer to help you out. Very good, so tell us the story on how, how we got to Storybook and, and along the way you can tell your own story. Where did this begin, at least for you, or, or where did the project begin?
0: For sure, yeah, it's quite a circuitous journey actually. So uh, my two co-founders and I, Tom and Dominic, we were running a, an agency, we we're running a little studio uh, and doing app development on, on behalf of, of clients. And we found that this component driven methodology, sort of no one was talking about it then, we're sort of talking five years ago, uh, really helped us build apps faster. We were able to both reuse components between clients, so we'd build them once and then we could sort of build them into, into every app that we worked on. And we could really speed up our development process, right? So folks could be working on building the design, developers could be developing the components even before a design existed because they sort of knew what the data requirements would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everything was really like able to be well parallelized using this methodology. And we built tools internally at the studio to support that methodology. And so that's kind of spiritually for us where Storybook was was born and it's gonna be different mm-hmm. for, for different people. After that, our studio was actually acquired by uh, Meteor. They're now Apollo. They um, are stewards of of GraphQL. So um, our team joined Meteor and we sort of brought this methodology along with us and, and we're building products inside Meteor. And then around about that time, uh, another fellow in the media community called Arunoda decided to, you know, I, I can't claim credit for like, you know, showing him this methodology. I don't yeah. remember, either, you know, us ever sort of talking about it, but it was, I think, starting to gain steam um, in the development community. And he built an open source tool that was very similar to what we what we had internally ourselves but solved a whole bunch of generalization problems um, that you know we didn't get around to solving which, which which basically means as a you know developer with a project like how do you integrate this tool into your into your development environment and that's actually kind of a a pretty hard problem when you think about all the different frameworks and, you know, Webpack configurations and Babel and, you know, the, the, the right. JavaScript tooling. So he went and started Storybook, and kind of solved a lot of those problems uh, and started developing it out in the open. And we got really interested in it and replaced our internal sort of tooling with, with Storybook. And then he sort of moved on from the project and, and started to work at Vercel on Next, which is another popular um, front-end project, and, and sort of put Storybook up for adoption um, to the community and said, hey, you know, we're looking for maintainers. I'm looking for maintainers. I don't have time for this anymore. And that's when we got really heavily involved in it. And this was back in, I want to say, 2017-ish. And that's also around the time that we left Meteor to start Chromatic and um, to start our uh, UI regression testing tool that we built on top of Storybook to kind of leverage the work product that was being developed inside Storybook and to solve a long running um, pain point for front end engineers around UI testing. Oh, very good. So that's the kind of first part of the journey for us. Yeah, no, I,
1: I mean, it's, it's exciting. You get to experience something, have a methodology, and then get to kind of inherit it later on.
0: Yeah, it was sort of weird. And we were we were at a time in our career then where we were so focused on, on building the studio. And then later we were like running at a million miles an hour at Meteor, like working on open source there and on GraphQL, like we just sort of didn't have time for it. For, for open sourcing our, our products and supporting them, whereas now we do. Uh, and now we've built a company specifically for, for that purpose, to be able to support the open source. So it's super exciting.
1: And how wonderful for the community that Storybook wasn't kind of abandoned or, or at least kind of left out to dry. You've got a whole passionate group picking it up. Yeah, absolutely. In some ways, these projects end up being closely tied to their creators. You know, they it's their vision or, and they have this following community. What's it like to inherit a project and assume the reins
0: yeah i mean in our case it felt very natural because the vision was was our vision it was a shared vision that we have so it wasn't sort of it wasn't alien alien to us in any way we were excited about it because was a lot of foundational work a lot of the early heavy lifting that i talked about before around integration that kind of thing was was there and we got to come in and continue the vision
1: um towards sort of what we're building here. You mentioned at the beginning that this is all very tied to this idea of components. Maybe you can kind of help us frame where we are in time. Were you at Meteor and, and kind of early days in Vision, was that all React? Was that all kind of web components? Yeah, so, so the early days of Meteor, we're actually
0: um, programming in a technology called Blaze, which is Meteor's in-house reactive componentized view layer. And we ended up kind of phasing Blaze out in favor of React. And so we're still heavily a, a React shop. Storybook now supports most of the view layers under the sun. We've architected in a way um, such that the tool can be plugged into them. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the history.
1: But the idea of Storybook kind of depends on a web component or, or component view of the world. Um, exactly. Which I guess is exactly. now standard, so maybe it's not novel anymore. But, yeah. but at the time, but, I mean, it was new. Yeah, definitely.
0: But t- to us, it just made a whole bunch of sense. And I'm yeah. really happy to see that the underlying sort of concept in the architecture has has spread across every sort of modern view layer. There's consensus around the fact that, hey, like really modular UI components with a well-defined API and a, a non-leaky internal implementation is, is, is the right way to build things.
1: Yeah. It's also interesting to hear about your path to the company. Mm-hmm. take Tailwind, for example, they built an, an awesome open source project that helps developers and they went the route of building components that you could you could buy. Um, and, and you've gone the route of this kind of UI testing framework, which I guess was kind of maybe what you wanted all along. It kind of fits your vision of making UI development more robust. But yeah, tell us how you got there. The testing is really just one part of it. But to us, it was the lowest hanging fruit
0: because it was such a painful part of the development the app development process. Um really all along. So, you know, CI/CD has become like it's taken, you know, the best part of decades to become to get to where it is now, but it's basically an accepted methodology for for building software. It's like, yeah, we want to ship fast, and in order to be able to ship fast, we need to have a, you know, pretty decent test coverage and a CI/CD strategy to help us help protect us from the pitfalls of shipping fast. And it was always sort of weird to us that like UI was kind of conveniently left out of that story. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we have CI/CD. Oh, yeah, what's your UI test coverage? And and we talked to a bunch of companies when starting Chromatic, and when I asked that question, folks would kind of squirm uncomfortably in their seat. Oh, well, yeah, we don't really have tests for the UI. It's like, well, how are you doing CI/CD, right? And it's you know more squirming, and then it's like, oh, are we just kind of manually go in and you know make sure that everything's fine it's like okay well that's not an automated testing strategy but i get it it's hard like when we have tools like selenium and you know these brittle end-to-end tests like yeah ui testing has um, always been hard so that was the big sort of problem that we set out to solve with chromatic and we just saw a lot of value in it
1: and then what's the relationship between storybook and chromatic does chromatic do you kind of use storybook to as you're using chromatic there's a dependency on one or the other Yeah, exactly. So when you're using
0: Storybook and you're using it during development, you're also at the same time building an artifact. It's kind of a little bit meta, but Storybook is both a tool and it is both a build artifact. So um, when you build Storybook, you get a little single page app that contains all of your components and the navigator and the add-ons and whatever that you've installed. And a lot of folks use that to document their design system and host it on Netlify. So Chromatic basically takes that artifact and then sort of adds a whole bunch of additional collaborative functionality on top of it, including UI testing. UI review is another piece of functionality that it adds. It's also a CDN-based hosting provider for Storybook. But the fundamental kind of thing driving all of this is the concept of a story, which is the data and the component that the data is for married together. And it's essentially a test case at the end of the day for a very specific state that a component can be in.
1: Yeah, so you use this story to prototype and build. I mean, you need you need something to show that the component is working. Mm-hmm. And so you're using it to develop, and then you're mm-hmm. saying once you're done, that becomes your kind of first test case exactly. for testing exactly the component. And then you can add other iterations exactly your your subsequent test cases as well. And so it serves
0: double duty as as a development aid, right? Because you don't need to run your local application and it's really fast to get to the area that you want to develop it serves as documentation because once you've written these essentially sort of visual test cases then any other developer including you who comes along in the future can just cycle through these test cases when you're adding more functionality and then finally the test cases serve as input into our visual regression testing tooling our UI review tooling and you get all of that essentially for free you don't have to do any additional work to maintain your test suite or your documentation. It's, everything's always up to date, and it's sitting there as part of your CI/CD pipeline as
1: well, protecting you from shipping broken code to your customers. Yeah, this this UI testing kind of hole is, is fascinating. You're right. So there's Selenium, and, and maybe I don't know if Cypress helps you here, but other frameworks. But most of the time, I hear of people relying on QA or just kind of manual probing. Mm-hmm. Of the site or, or waiting for bugs to come in from users since kind of we test apis pretty thoroughly
0: yeah what we're saying is components are sort of like apis okay at the visual level you know and your application is essentially you know in in our worldview, like if you think of the microservices architecture built around rest we kind of have a similar view on, on on ui and it's components of the rest and you know the way they integrate together into an app of the microservices
1: part and Storybook captures all the states, I would expect, from my component. Got it. Exactly. So Storybook is sort of like the service mesh in
0: that like weird analogy, even though yeah. service mesh yeah. is kind of a, a con- <laughs> confusing concept
1: in and of itself. Yes. We, we had our listeners right up until... Uh, service. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. So, and then help me understand who's using uh, Storybook and designers, developers. I don't mm-hmm. know if, if QA is still a persona we talk about anymore. We've kind of moved on, I suppose. But certainly developers are using Storybook Mm -hmm. and designers as well, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, these days the entire product team is using it and developers use it primarily and they're sort of building the work product in Storybook. They're building the stories and using it to build their components. And then Storybook, the artifact becomes shared throughout the team. So designers uh, look at it, product managers look at it, um, anyone anyone else, a stakeholder in the development process ends up sort of looking at the components in Storybook and then, you know, collaborating on them via UI review, for instance, or testing, or just literally just sharing a link around to a statically uploaded version of that Storybook. It's a really fast way for everyone on the team to kind of be up to date on what's being developed. There's often a lag between engineering and design product, even marketing in terms of what's actually shipping and what's being worked on. And this way everyone can get into the loop through Storybook.
1: You mentioned they become documentation. You can publish this whole library of your components and in their various states, and and that's the documentation? That's right,
0: yeah. And, but on top of that storybook has additional add-on functionality that lets you build more documentation around the components. So the, yep. the, the components and their states form the core parts of the documentation. And then, you know, we have things like controls add-on that lets you kind of tweak the inputs yourself and that can form part of the documentation page. And then you can add additional sort of custom documentation around your components and build a whole sort of site for your design system documentation, which
1: is what a lot of, a lot of teams are using Storybook for. Yeah, the, um, the advent of design systems. Going back to an earlier discussion around people kind of buying a, a component suite, most people are building custom components, I imagine, for their applications mm-hmm. rather than buying on an existing library. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, most people. Although that's not that's not
0: always the case. I mean, we have um, component libraries like Material UI, which are really, right. really popular, and they're they're almost sort of the bootstrap of the component driven sort of age, right?
1: Which still a lot of developers very legitimately start their projects with, and then as projects mature, you bring on designers. Exactly. There's greater appetite to build custom components. Exactly. Exactly. And what we've what we've noticed
0: actually is that for larger companies their brand is very deeply embedded inside their design system and their design system ends up being kind of a source of pride that they maintain. They share. A lot of them are, are open source. Like, you know, you can throw a stone at a company here in the Valley and they've probably open sourced their design system and you can go and check it out. And I think a, a part of it is just pride and it helps with recruiting, but you know, it's also, it's also a great way to
1: spread the love in the, in the world of components. So I'm just thinking about how it changes the roles of designers and developers. Some, you know, designers used to design whole pages, and now they're designing components, and that's maybe a new thing or 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 not.
0: Yeah, I think the
1: design—I
0: don't know—the field of design. I'm, I can't find the word I'm looking for has really embraced design systems as a way to design more like the way engineers build software, mm-hmm. because designs are repetitive, right? So if you're if you're in the old world where designers are building entire pages and shipping off the psd to their developers they're still using components even and and kind of design systems thinking even if they're not really thinking about it that way because they're trying to keep a consistent brand throughout every page that they design and the way they do that is by reusing elements on the page and if they're reusing elements then hey we have an implicit design system even if like we don't call it that so the design systems movement is just a formalization of a paradigm that was already kind of happening in design, but now we have a word for it and people evangelize it. And it, But it's a very natural way to design.
1: And then um, developers who used to just receive PSDs and, and then build the spec now maybe have more opportunity to express some ideas because they've got Storybook right there creating them for them.
0: Totally, totally. And now that there is this shared language in the form of a design system and then you know a whole bunch of components that implement that design system... When developers get what is effectively a psd even even in the world of today which is a designed page there's a link where now that pages is is, uh has the components that it uses very um strongly spelled out right like inside be it figma or whatever tool you're using it's like oh this is component x this is the menu component and so developers are just able to assemble pages from those components and designers are already thinking that way so they're not going to throw a developer a curveball where it's like oh wait what is this this is kind of like that component but it's a weird variant that like is only used on this one page like what's going on Um, that you know still happens but it doesn't happen by accident it's very intentional because designers are like saving themselves time too by reusing components right um, whereas previously mm-hmm. that kind of thing used to happen just sort of accidentally because there wasn't a design system. And so a designer might not have gone reaching for that component that they've used yeah. You know, before.
1: Yeah, yeah, so there's two motions of a designer now. They have this kind of centralized design component effort and then they have the kind of applying those to a single case. And that latter part can be done in many times by developers. They can kind of get direction on a page and, and assemble given the, the standard components to, to a degree. Exactly, exactly. How long have you been kind of maintaining Storybook? And what were the kind of steps to bring that together? You you kind of maintained the community, the code base. Any, any questions on kind of licensing or governance? Yeah, it's been very organic. So circa 2017,
0: um, that's when we got really heavily involved in Storybook. And by we, I mostly mean my co-founders, Tom and Dominic. I, I don't code much anymore. I am an engineer by trade, but... These days I'm in product, I'm the CEO of Chromatic. Unfortunately, I don't have really as much time, anywhere near as much time as I'd love to have coding. So those guys got deeply involved in the project. And then there are a few other people that were very heavily involved in it as well, who, in some cases, uh, like with Michael Shulman, we knew already and we were friends with. In other cases, uh, like Norbert DeLangen, we we kind of met through the Storybook project. But there ended up being kind of a core group of maintainers, including Tom and Dominic, who uh, were working on the project. Next to that, we were working on building the company and building our, our UI testing tool kind of on top of it. And we started to think, about sort of raising some some venture to kind of keep this thing going. And Chromatic was already sort of starting to take off. We built an MVP. We had some customers. And we started to realize that we had the opportunity to make a real impact on the world um, through front-end engineering and by building, just tooling around this burgeoning component-based view layer infrastructure that was coming out. And then we also were deeply passionate about Storybook and about driving Storybook forward and, and working in open source. You know, we've, we've worked in open source for a big part of our career. And so that's when we got this idea of like, you know what, maybe we'll raise some venture capital and we'll uh, we'll be able to pay a bunch of our friends that are also <laughs> working in this project, um, you know, being namely a sort of Michael and Norbert. So we kind yeah. of you know, it was this sort of jigsaw puzzle um, uh, in a moment in time where it was like, so would you guys like quit your day jobs and work on Storybook full time if we like had the money to be able to like make yeah. that happen? Because we'd, we'd love to do that. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that would be really cool. But, you know, like kind of also scary at the same time. And on the investor side, it was like, look, like this is what we want to do. We want to support the open source project. And we want to build a company on top of it, like, what do you think? And then, kind of, managed to sort of bring it all together, raise our seed round, get Norbert and, and Michael on board, and that's essentially the sort of start of Chromatic supporting um, Storybook, the open source project. And the way that we that we see it is is really supporting it via ma- via manpower. We're desperate mm-hmm. to keep it a community, an authentic community driven effort. So we're very very hands off with it we are just we're just showing up literally with developer hours and building what's dear to us and yeah. that's the beautiful thing about open source is everyone gets to scratch their own itch to build the thing that is important to them and whether you have 2 hours every second night to work on it or you know a weekend every month or three people's worth of full-time effort like it's still the same thing it's just you know You have different amounts of time to spend on the project and and
1: that's the way that we see ourselves being involved great just because we like talking about open source and (laughs) and you mentioned earlier that these design systems are are increasingly kind of behaving like open source there's a company open sourcing their designs what exactly (laughs) does that mean i've certainly seen the kind of visual descriptions of the design systems but they're also publishing code that's right yeah yeah and are people do you have the same kind of community development not i mean i guess you wouldn't want to like extend and, and change airbnb's design mm-hmm. system cuz that's theirs but but you could probably fork it or what's happening in the world of kind of open source design systems
0: yeah that's a really good question and and something that i, I don't have a great feel for how many teams actually like f- fork, say, Airbnb or, you know, Workday's design system and then sort of build a a tool on top of that. I don't really see that very much happening out in the open. I think the the real power of it is basically with these companies where they have an API and they have components sort of built around that shape of data that their APIs already provide, their components give sort of their integrators and folks developing on top of their platform some ui as well to go Mm -hmm. along with their api so they don't have to build ui so everything ends up being on brand the experiences that they build around the product that these companies have ends up feeling like a natural extension of of the product and and that's just for certain companies that offer something like that workday is is an example that popped into my head Um, and then you have other companies you know maybe airbnb is an example of this where I think they're just excited to participate in the open source community because it it lets them sort of hire better developers and developers have a natural inclination to want to build code in the open and to have other folks use their code and and make it better that way find bugs and you know extend it and one of the properties of a design system is that there's not a lot of proprietary sort of business secrets Mm -hmm. in a design system so it's not like you're giving your competitors an edge you know, in fact, if your competitors took your design system and then like, you know, built yeah. their, their app in it, they're like helping you. They're spreading your brand and, you know, kind yeah. of, so so it's, it's I, I think it, design systems lend themselves to being open sourced in this way, whether they're, you know, really kind of used or not. It still makes a lot of sense for companies
1: to do it. No, certainly. I mean, I could just poke around through Airbnb site and, I, and I'd experience the whole system. Yeah. yeah. So it makes sense that there's nothing to hide. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And then and where does storybook go from here? Any thoughts on what 21 or even beyond are there kind of big features or vision to watch out for?
0: Yeah, so we've always built um, and by we I mean our, our little team Percolate Studio Chromatic um sort of you know, for the longest time we've built entire pages as components. So from the lower the lower level sort of root sort of the leaf node components that are pure components like menus and buttons and all the way up to the page level we thought of everything as a component, right? And so everything has clean APIs, it's all well-defined and everything can be mocked out along, along the way. And the companies that are like the furthest along in the component-driven journey are also building this way. And the benefits are basically being able to decompose your app and share those states just the same way that you would in the design system Share those states with the rest of the team, document those states, be able to jump straight in and start extending um, these sort of complex pages or sub pages that in and of itself contain a lot of very significant states that end up being kind of thrown away if you're developing them in an an ad hoc way. So our vision is to teach and to extend the tooling in order to make this way of development kind of spread and, and to bring it to more people because it's really helped us in, in building apps faster and building better apps.
1: And yeah, you know, we, we want to do the same for the world. Fantastic. Anything you would tell our listeners, if folks have kind of piqued their interest and want to get involved, are there places to go or things to do?
0: Yeah, storybook.js.org, learnstorybook.com. That's a resource uh, that guides you through building an entire application uh, on top of Storybook. They're the best places to get started. And yeah, there's no reason no reason not to get started. You can install Storybook and it should integrate into your code base with one npm command,
1: and then you're you're off and running. Fantastic. Zoltan, thanks for coming on the show today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure.
1: You can find today's show notes and past episodes at contributor.fyi. Until next time. I'm Eric Anderson, and this has been Contributor.